Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hello, Life Church. Uh, I can't see you, but you can see me. And uh, we are continuing on with our series called Proverbs. Train your brain. This is our summer series, and we're going to spend time in Proverbs for, for the whole summer. What we've discovered so far in this series is that God wants us. God wants you and He wants me. He wants us to gain wisdom and understanding. He wants us to have wisdom and understanding. The word wise, to, to call someone wise, is the Hebrew word chakam. And we spoke about that last week, someone who is wise. The word for wisdom in Hebrew is the word chokma, chokma. Now, in the root of this word chokma, the meaning of the root is to be skilled at something. But the word chakam and chokma doesn't just mean that you have a skill. When someone is wise and he has wisdom, the meaning of the words become this. You are an expert in something, not just a skilled person in it, but an expert in it. So, so the meaning of wisdom in context of the Bible, it means this, to have the skill to live well. Now, I started off by saying God wants us to have wisdom. In other words, God wants you and me to have the skill to live well. You should be able to say, I know how to live well. If, if someone comes up to you and asks, you know, do, do, how do you live life? You can say to them, I know how to live well. And not just I know how to live well, but I am an expert at godly living. So how do we become experts at living well? How do we become experts at having a godly life? We have to go to the source of wisdom. Because in the Bible, wisdom and knowledge always begins with God. True knowledge begins with the knowledge of God. True wisdom always begins by having God in the middle of your thinking. It always begins with God. Today I was driving um, after I picked up a parcel for Ermery. And in my thoughts constantly, the decisions we are making in our lives the first place that I go to in my thoughts is, God, what do you say about this? Because if I don't go to the source of wisdom, I will make decisions in the natural. But I want to have the testimony in my life. And I'm sure you want to have this also. You want to be able to say to others, I know how to live life well. I am an expert at living life well. But the reality is, unless you go to God, you can't say it. Because wisdom always begins with God. Last week, I, I, um, we read the scripture where David says the following. says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I explained that the, the literal translation is actually, the fool says no God. No God. In other words, I'm not going to consult God on what he thinks regarding the situation. I'm not going to consult God in regards to my marriage and how I treat my wife. I'm not going to consult God in regards to my finances. I'm not going to consult God with my business, the next steps I'm taking in my life, my future, my children, my family. I am not going to say yes to God 
to have his input in any of those things. But a wise person, David says, I want God. A wise person does not say no, God. A wise person says, yes, God. Yay, God. More God. I want you, God. And a wise person always begins with God. So just where you are in the service right now, I want you to evaluate the decisions you are making. How much is God part of your life, of your decision making? Because it determines if you are a wise person or a fool. And I hope that we are a body filled with wise people. Now, looking at Proverbs and what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is I have discovered four main mountain peaks, four main pillars that, that drew my attention as I was reading through the book of Proverbs. Now, we might, might um, call them pillars, mountaintops, whatever you want, four main themes that I found in the book. And today we're going to look at the first one. Let me mention the four to you first. The first one is your thinking, the mind. It's a pillar. It's, it's a foundational message in the book of Proverbs. What you think. It's the very foundational core of who you are. It becomes your worldview. Your thoughts becomes your worldview. How you approach others. How you think of others. What you think about others, of other people's decisions. Their choices in life. Your thoughts. The second mountain peak, we might call it the word motivation. Are you a person that is motivated to go for God? Some of you are motivated, some of you not so much. So we have the mind, our thinking, our thoughts, we have motivation. And then the third one that we're going to look at is your mouth. How you use what you say, not just what you think now, but now what you say about what you think. And then the fourth mountain peak, we'll call it failures, mistakes, disappointments. And I'll show you why. Now, all of those are mentioned in the book. And there are many more things that he speaks on. And we're going to look at many of the other things also. But those are four main ideas in the book. And as you read through the book, you will discover them. You will notice them. So today, let's start with the first one. And the first one, as I mentioned, is your thinking, your thoughts, your mind. But now, let me zoom out and, and let me give you a little bit of a wide angle in regards to what I mean by your thinking and your thoughts. By thinking, I mean, and some of you might not expect this, the fear of God versus the fear of man. The fear of God versus the fear of man. If you fear the Lord, you don't have to be afraid of any person. If you fear God, there's no organization, no government, no system that should cause fear to stir up in your heart. When you don't really live under the fear of God, you're living in the fear of everyone and everything. Man, I know so many people that are living there right now. And so one of the greatest secrets of this book, of the book of Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord over and above and against the fear of man. This will cause your anxiety to disappear. In Proverbs 1, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools 
despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you want wisdom and you want knowledge and instruction, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Solomon begins where you ought to begin, to give you a grid, to, to give you a form for keeping your mind for the rest of your life. And not just keeping it, advancing in wisdom and in knowledge. It's a grid. And this grid is called the fear of the Lord. This should become a mold for your life. When Solomon left this mold, and we'll talk about this in the last week, when Solomon left this mold, this grid of the fear of the Lord, he lost his mind. Here he says in Proverbs um, 9 verse 10, he's talking about the beginning of knowledge, and he says the following, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean? Uh, what does it mean it's the beginning? The word beginning means the most important part. The uttermost part, the chief part, the most vital thing there is, the fear of the Lord. The most important aspect of knowledge. If you are sitting today here in church and you are listening to this message, the most important aspect of knowledge and wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Did you know that there are 18 references to the fear of God in the book of Proverbs alone? But today in the church, we don't like to talk about the fear of the Lord much because we have a wrong understanding of what the fear of the Lord means. If I was to quote to you 1 John 4 verse 18 that says, perfect love casts out fear, I imagine most of us would go, amen, Andreas, that's a good scripture. Totally agree with that. We should not have any fear in our lives. Fear should be removed from our lives. Amen. Perfect love casts out all fear. But if fear is a bad thing, then what do you do with the 300 plus scriptures that speak of fearing the Lord in a positive way? Isaiah 11 verses 1 and 2 talks about Jesus. It's a prophecy about Jesus that's coming. And I want you to notice what Isaiah writes about Jesus. He says, and they shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is speaking of Jesus that will have a spirit that would be resting upon him of the fear of the Lord. This is speaking of Jesus fearing his father. But listen, Jesus, he certainly didn't fear his father, dread his father, nor was he, was he ever terrified of God's judgment because he never sinned. But Jesus honored, he revered, he trusted, he loved this is a big one. He was submitted to his father because that's what the fear of the Lord will do for you. The early church walked in the fear of the Lord. In Acts 9.31, it tells us that. That is a positive fear of the Lord. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. And this is what I'm hoping where this message will lead because at the end of this message, I hope that in our time of worship together, that you will stir up in you 
this fear of God. It is important for us to have it in our lives because if it was important for Jesus and the early believers to fear God, then it should be and it would be a good idea for us to learn from what the fear of the Lord really is and then desire to have it in our lives. Fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. It's mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. What is the fear of the Lord and what does it mean to fear the Lord? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you tremble and shake like a slave who would be scared his master's going to come into the room and beat him with a stick or a whip just to keep him submitted. It does not mean that. It does not mean that you have a superstitious dread of God, that you always see God in heaven as wearing a frown ready to pounce on you if you make one mistake. So you live in morbid fear. That's not what it means. I played many sports in my life and I've had many coaches in my life. And in South Africa, I had one specific coach that really influenced my life. His name was Blackie Swart. He was a coach that demanded hard work and submission to his authority. And when you didn't execute what he expected of you, or if you didn't play as hard as he knows you can to your ability. Man, the next practice, when we get there, we, have, we all have this little bit of a fear going inside of us because we weren't scared of the man that he was going to punish us, but we knew that there were going to be consequences. We loved the man, but we knew that when we didn't live up to what he expected from us, for us as players, that meant consequences. We had honor for him. When he walked into the room, we would be talking amongst each other, but when he walks in, we go quiet because the coach is here. No one ever talked over him or back at him because of the respect we had for him. We never questioned his motives as our coach or his leadership because we knew he only wanted the best for us. So we trusted him. We never shook in our boots or were fearful of being mistreated or punished unjustly. So the fear of the Lord doesn't mean shaking in your boots. It does not mean that. For those of you who are thinking fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord means I'm gonna to have to be so scared of him. Fear of the Lord is a word that means to revere to respect, to honor. The Hebrew wording of fear of the Lord are two words, Yerat Yahweh, Yerat Yahweh, fear of the Lord, reverence of the Lord, Yerat Yahweh, fear, reverence. It's the same word that is used in Leviticus when it says you ought to revere your father and mother, your parents. Children, you are to fear, not shake in your boots, but revere, have a respect for them. You respect them, you listen to them, you believe them. So the fear of the Lord, my definition, my working definition that I have for us as a body, the fear of the Lord is a reverential awe that produces a humble submission to a loving God reverential awe 
I am in awe of you that produces submission, humble submission. I bow before you. You are my king. You are my Lord. From a loving God and to a loving God. Fear of the Lord is based on trust. It's based on belief. It's based on honor. It's based on relationship. It's not based on fear of repercussions. It's based on the fact that you love him and you know he loves you. Not he's going to beat me up if I do something bad. It's based on relationship, not repercussions. You are so in awe of God that you don't want to displease him. So that's the first mountain peak, the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Now, I want us to, to understand. Knowledge comes which God wants us to have because of the fear of the Lord, meaning that I am so in awe of who God is that I'm going to honor his word and what he says in my life. And when I do that, knowledge enters in. If you want knowledge, there has to be a healthy fear of God. You have to value him. Now, fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. This is a mind issue. Because what the fear of the Lord will do for you, what it will do for you is, and I'm going to point out just two things. Here are two things what the fear of the Lord will do for you if you have it in your life. There's way more, but I find these two in Proverbs. First thing that it will do for you, the fear of the Lord, it will keep you from evil. If you need some kind of guardian in your life, some sort of governor, some sort of thing that will, will help you. That, that's what they used to do in South Africa. We, we had these bicycles when we turned 16 um, in South Africa. We can get a motorcycle, 50cc. But all the 50cc bikes came out with governors to restrict us that we don't go too fast. So the bikes don't go too fast. So it's a restriction on speed. Do you know that the second highest cause of accidents in the world is speed. Distracted driving, becoming distracted, losing focus, not zoned in on who, who, where you're going or what you're doing, but I, I like to make this a spiritual thing also. Distracted from God is number one thing that causes us to move away from God. And then the second thing is speed. Not taking the time to ask God what he wants from us. There's a reason why speed kills. Because you don't take your time. And it's the same in our spiritual lives. The fear of the Lord will cause us to slow down, to reevaluate our situations based on God and the principles in His Word. And we all need that. You need that. You need that. I need that in my life. The fear of the Lord is like a governor that we have in our lives. Proverbs 16 verse 6 says the following, by the, by the fear of the Lord, <clears throat> one departs from evil. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. What keeps a person from doing certain things? The fear of the Lord. A reverential order that produces a loving submission, a humble submission to God. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of God means I hate evil. I hate pride, arrogance, 
and the evil way. Now, I want to give you a quick example from the Old Testament um, in the book of Genesis. Uh, there is this character by the name of Joseph, this young man, favored young man, a young man that we discover has an increase, uh, like this incredible depth of commitment to the Lord. And it really only shows its strength when he was sold by his brothers uh, to the Midianites. And then the Midianites sold him um, as a slave in Egypt. And now Joseph is in Egypt and he finds himself as a servant in Potiphar's house. And one day Potiphar's wife comes onto him. She sees this handsome, brawny Mr. Israel standing before her. Potiphar is gone most of the time. He doesn't spend much time and doesn't give him much attention. But Joseph, he's attending to her needs and to the household. So she, not so subtle, says to Joseph, Hey, Joe, hop into the bed with me, buddy. And his response is so telling. He says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord. What does this tell you? It tells you that he is conscious of the fact that God is watching him more than his boss Potiphar, more than his boss's wife. He's so conscious of his relationship with God, the fear of God, the reverence of God, the respect and the honor for God. He cares more about what God thinks more than what God thinks, than what Potiphar thinks, or even what she thinks. Initially, it will cost him dearly the fear of the Lord. But at the end, it produces incredible fruit. But the fear of the Lord, I want you to notice this, kept him from a moral evil. Same for you. Same for me. It will do the same for us. Those wrong decisions that you are making. Most of the time, God's somewhere in the background in our thoughts. But when God becomes in the center of it, that fear of the Lord will help us to beat those situations and temptations that we struggle with. They will help us to overcome them. So it will do that for you. It will do that for me. It will keep us from evil. The second thing the fear of the Lord will do it will increase your quality of life. It will. Some of you are feeling you are living a, a sort of a flat, uninspired kind of, oh, how's life? Oh, okay. How are you doing? I, I have some, some of these kids that I'm coaching in sports. Hey, how are you doing? Like, like we're outside. We're in the sun. How are you doing? Okay. How are things going? Okay, I guess I'm okay. I'm like, why do you guess you're okay? You want to amp that up. I hope if you're listening to this message and you have that mindset, life is just okay. You, you got to amp that up. You got to want to go to the next level. Didn't Jesus say, I have come that they might, might have life and have it to the full, fully, more abundantly? Not I have come that you might have a bummer of a life. I want you to have an abundant life. And as the message puts it, Better than you dreamed of life. God wants you to have a better than you dreamed of life. And how do you do that? The fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. 
And for some of us, that makes no sense. How can the fear of the Lord cause me to have an amazing life? Well, Proverbs 14, 26 says the following. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, I have strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge, a place where I can go, a place where I'm provided for. It will bless your life and the next generation. Proverbs 14, 27 says, the next verse, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord leads me. It's like an upspring of life and it turns me away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord brings life to a higher wattage. It's like you've got a dimmer on your light switch and the fear of the Lord turns that dim light, that dull life to a more exciting, more joy, more peace. Everything gets amped up, heightened in the fear of the Lord. I want you to think back to a guy by the name of Abraham. God told him to do something. Any parent would be horrified to hear. God said to Abraham, take your son Isaac, whom you love, and sacrifice him, which means you're going to have to kill him. And Abraham goes through with all of this. He gets the wood, he builds the altar, and he ties his son to the altar, and he's taking a knife out after his son is bound, lifting his arms to plunge the knife, the implement, into the chest of his only son. And the angel of the Lord stops him and says, don't lay a hand on the lad, for now I know you fear God. That's amazing. The fear of the Lord. I know you fear God. The fear of the Lord enabled Abraham to live such a life of faith and confidence knowing that even if I kill my son, God will raise him up because God gave me a promise that through his seed, our offspring will be greater than the sands of the sea. See, that's what the New Testament tells us, that life at a whole new level, the fear of the Lord gets you to a place where you live. <laughs> Can you imagine what Abraham went through in that moment? But the fear of the Lord carried him through one of the greatest faith moments in the world. It was the fear of the Lord that got him through that. I trust God. I am so in awe of him. I'm, I revere him so much. I respect him. I honor him so much that I can get through this hard thing because I know my God said something. And I believe him and I trust him. So that's the first mountain peak that I want to call our minds, our thinking, the fear of the Lord versus the fear of man. Now, what I want to do uh, us to do today and where the worship team is going to come up and Pastor Bishop is going to take over now, they're going to read some scriptures to you. And as they read the scriptures, I just want you to close your eyes and to repeat it in your mind. And I pray that every single one of you will have a desire for wisdom. And if you have a desire for wisdom, it means that you have to nurture the fear of the Lord.
and only you can do it. I can do it for you. It's not thunderbolts and lightning that's going to cause it to happen in your life. It's you being intentional, honoring God, honoring His Word. Be intentional with it. Have a wonderful Sunday and continue to worship. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.